I think the biggest driver is that essentially what we call the race to the bottom. We drive prices down, down, down. Hospitals are looking for the best, lowest spot price. And the prices get down so low, one to two dollars per vial of a critical medication that's a sterile medication that U.S. manufacturers move to a medication where they can do better financially. They have an obligation to do what's in the best interest of their shareholders. That was Ned McCoy explaining one of the key reasons why hospitals face drug shortages year after year. Having spent 32 years at Abbott, McCoy has a deep understanding of drug manufacturing and the supply chain. Shelving his plans to retire, McCoy in 2018 joined Civica, the nonprofit drug manufacturer created by a host of U.S. health systems. After serving as chief business development officer and then chief operating officer, he took over as president and CEO in June 2022. In this podcast with Oliver Wyman's Marsha McPherson, McCoy details Civica's business model and its goal to bring low-cost drugs to hospitals and to patients. Included in that is the company's plan to dramatically disrupt pricing for insulin. The two also discuss Civica's new retail-facing venture, Civica Script. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. For more insights on the business of transforming healthcare, visit our online publication, health.oliverwyman.com. And now we pick things up with McCoy explaining why he put off retiring to join Civica. I retired from a large healthcare company after 30 plus years with uh, no plans to go back to work. Uh, (laughs) I was going to play golf. I was going to enjoy myself. And uh, I reached out to my friends and I said, my email address has changed. My mobile number has changed. I'm retiring. And everybody's saying congratulations. Well, one of them reached out and said, you know, these hospital systems are having problems with drug shortages, and they're looking to start up a pharmaceutical company, and they don't know anything about making pharmaceuticals. <laughs> Would you come and talk to us? I flew out to Utah. Mm. I took a vacation day, actually, in my last couple of months, and I flew out to Utah, and I met uh, Dan Lindquist, who's the chief innovation officer at Intermountain Healthcare, and he had this great idea. At the time, it was called Project RX, and he asked if I would come on and consult 20 hours a week, and that sounds like a nice transition into retirement, right? 20 hours a week, it was wonderful. I did that for three months, and uh, then we formed the company, and they asked me to come on full-time as one of the officers. By that time, I had fallen in love with the mission, and I couldn't say no. Yeah. So in many ways, Civica is a story of how to fail in retirement then, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And how to continue to keep failing as you get promoted. (laughs) Yeah. So I came on as the chief business development officer. My background, I'm technical. I'm a chemical engineer by training, but I really moved most of my career into doing deals, business development, licensing and acquisitions. And I think that was a big part of what we needed early on to get the company started. Right. Yeah. That's a core part of the business model. Yes. But that business model is also non-for-profit. And that's a pretty important aspect of, I think, what I've heard you talk about in terms of the aspiration behind the company and what you're trying to achieve as a public benefit. So can you just talk a little bit about that and and why you've maintained that nonprofit status and how that helps you? Yeah. You know, we don't sell innovative products. We sell generic medications, okay? Mm. But the business model is innovative. It's different. We're more like a utility. Mm. We were formed by large hospital systems that gave us donations and loans to start the company. So we're non 
stock, not for profit. No one owns us. Mm-hmm. Also, we're a break-even company, so we're essentially cost plus. And that helps us drive to the best price and do what's in the best interest of patients. Mm-hmm. And that's our number one policy. Yeah. And part of what I understand the hospitals who started this and what you and your colleagues are driving to is helping to shore up the fragility of the access of supply That's to right. generic medications, especially if you think about onshore versus offshore drugs. That's right. And so talk a little bit about why that's a challenge and what you're doing to fix it. Yeah, so um, it's a crazy thing, but in the U.S. market, critical medications needed by hospitals and by the patients in those hospitals have been on shortage for many, many years, all the way back 10, 15, 20 years. And if you look at the chart, ASHP tracks shortages. There's always over 200 medications on shortage. And that can be supply chain problems. It can be quality problems. But I think the biggest driver is that essentially what we call the race to the bottom. We drive prices down, down, down. Hospitals are looking for the best, lowest spot price. And the prices get down so low, one to two dollars per vial of a critical medication that's a sterile medication that U.S. manufacturers move to a medication where they can do better financially. They have an obligation to do what's in the best interest of their shareholders, and that is to make the more expensive products. And so these products move offshore. In fact, 70% of the active ingredient in our medications in the U.S. come from offshore, many of those in China. We made a decision very early on at Civica not to buy any active ingredient from China. We buy from regulated markets. Priority number one is U.S. Number two would be regulated markets in Europe or India, nothing from China. And that's very unusual. But it um, actually worked in our favor during COVID because other folks, our supply chain was more robust. Does that then drive which drugs you try to bring into the portfolio because you can get the availability of the manufacturing and the supply chain here? That's not a criteria we use. Um, We have um, our governing, the, the, the members, hospital members that are on our board and our founding members, the next tier, They each elect one delegate to a drug selection advisory committee. We meet quarterly, and they pick which drugs we're going to focus on. Mm. And those are drugs that we would predict could be on shortage. Mm. The best predictor of a shortage is it's been on shortage in the past, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, Not a surprise. They come in and out. Low-cost drugs. You know, I can give you examples. But they pick the drugs, and then we go out and we look for those. And early on, like you said earlier, we did it through partnerships. We went out and found manufacturers who had capacity to make these medications. Mm -hmm. But we always had a plan, and we're doing it now, to build our own manufacturing plant in the U.S. We're doing that now. Yeah, in Virginia, right? You're setting up your own. We are. For certain drugs, right? The certain kind of uh, portfolio that you'd like to offer or bring to market. It is. It's just south of Richmond. Mm -hmm. It's in Petersburg. Very large plant, 140,000 square feet. It can make 140 million vials and syringes a year. Wow. And these are primarily injectable generic drugs. But we're putting in capacity in that plant also to do the three largest insulins Mm -hmm. for the U.S. market. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a big deal. Uh, A lot of press and a lot of work we're doing on that now. And why did it become important for you to get directly into the manufacturing business and to move Mm -hmm. away from kind of procuring but control it yourself. 
Yeah, we think really it's going forward, it's going to be a, really a combined strategy because for folks that aren't in the business, medications require lots of different technologies. So to your point earlier, we won't be able to make everything in the plant. We will still keep partnering. Mm -hmm. But to get to your question directly, yeah. it's important to back integrate into manufacturing because we're a not-for-profit, so we're on a cost-plus model. So this helps us get to the lowest cost, and it also helps us control the quality and the supply mm -hmm. and bring it onshore. Right. We're part of that movement, part of that momentum today to bring manufacturing back to the U.S. So bringing it back to the U.S. and getting to the lowest possible cost because now our products are cost-based, not market-based. Right, right. In the market, if a drug will bring $10, that's what folks charge because they have an obligation, a for-profit has an obligation to return shareholder value the insulin, the three insulin biosimilars that you're targeting to focus out of that manufacturing facility, that was a big part of the Inflation Reduction Act and part of the intent to get and the average American's monthly cost for insulin drugs to be lower than $35. How does that factor into what you're doing? And do you see more of that coming through? Um, I should probably step back just one step because I think it'll help answer your question. We've already announced where we're going to price the insulin in 2024. Mm -hmm. Very unusual. I've never done that in my career. <laughs> but we know what the cost is. And we've announced that we will sell a vial of insulin, the three largest insulins in the market, for no more than $30. Mm -hmm. And that we will sell five disposable pens for no more than $55. In other words, $11 per disposable pen. Right. That's our price. So it kind of falls in line with your question. Mm -hmm. When you see that number, it'll be no more than $35. It makes you think, wow, is the government already fixing the problem? Right. Turns out that the uh, Inflation Reduction Act really only applies to Medicare right mm -hmm. now. It's not the whole market, it's Medicare. And it turns out that somebody's gonna be paying for the insulin, and the $35 might be what the patient is paying, but someone's paying a much larger number for the insulin than that. Right. So we'll be one price for all, no more than $30 a vial. Mm -hmm. The other part of the Inflation Reduction Act is that it made changes to Medicare Part D, which is going to lead, we believe, to plans, insurance companies, being interested in buying the lower cost product rather than the higher priced product with a great big rebate. Right. So we think that actually will work in favor of supplying a lower cost insulin, which really, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Yes. Right? Yes. It really is a crazy system yeah. where the higher priced product is preferred. Right. That's what drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, and you're right. <laughs> it, you made a really good point in there that there's a very big difference between you offering the total end price of that drug to be in the $30 range versus mm -hmm. capping a patient's ultimate price of it to be $35 a month, where the supply chain in advance of that, the covered benefit, for example, mm -hmm. a commercial member, mm -hmm. the price of that drug is not $35. The mm -hmm. Inflation Reduction Act just said the end consumer will pay no more than $35. But the supply chain in front of that and somewhat typical you know, pharmaceutical industry terms doesn't mean that it only costs $35, which is what you're bringing to market. That's right. That's a very big difference. I think that's a really important point for people who, you know, aren't quite deep in both sides of the politics and right. the manufacturing world.
world. But you still do have a lot of partnerships that you rely on. It's not you don't plan to get into manufacturing for everything you do. You started some of your career in business development, partnerships and contracting, right. and that's a really big element. Right. And you also mentioned that, you know, once a drug kind of moves into the generic commodity space, you have manufacturers leaving for different kinds of drug supply. So how do you convince a manufacturer to come back into that space where they could be actually making money doing other things? And so what's the kind of impetus for that? Well, it has to be in their best interest. Mm -hmm. And if they have assets, if they have capital assets that can make that medication and they have the FDA approval, the ANDA, we do put together nice arrangements where we commit to buy a certain volume mm -hmm. and we commit to buying full batches of products so they don't have to divide it up. We also, uh, as soon as they make it and, and release it, we buy it. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to put it in the supply chain and wait for their money to come in sometime later. Right. So we give them some advantages from that standpoint and allow them to capture a bigger part of the market share and utilize their resources. Having said that, if they've got a better use for the asset, they can go that route. But there are many manufacturers out there, right? and we've worked with quite a few. And that's where the power of your founding members of your hospitals, you represent, I think, one-third of the hospital beds in America. And so when that's you have right. that implied demand and you're bringing that to a manufacturer, right. that changes the game in terms of what they're willing to probably do. Right. That's why we can buy full batches, and that's why we can stock six months of inventory in the warehouse because we already know what our demand is on the other side. Right. Our hospitals have committed to us to buy products. Right. That's great. And so you've, you've partnered, you've brought products to the hospitals that need them to shore up access and supply. You've gotten into direct manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And then you've also moved into Civica Script, which is a different kind of partnership right. with plans and trying to help consumers get access to affordable medicine. So talk a little bit about the genesis of Civica Script. Yeah, so Civica Script is a, uh, a new sister company of Civica to focus on the retail market. And the problem there is a little bit different than in the hospitals. It's not so much drug shortages, it's generic drugs that are priced higher than they should be. Mm -hmm. And insulin is the poster child yes. for that. That's a specialty medication as well. It, it is. It's specialty pharma, yes. which is very high priced. <laughs> We're trying to approach these markets similar to insulin where the price is just way too high. It's not a shortage problem. It's a little different animal. And you have payer relationships that you've brought into those arrangements as well. We do. Civica Script was formed and funded by uh, large payers, including Blue Cross Blue Shield and Anthem. And so that helps open up the coverage and the access to those types of medications to downstream members, some of which are covered by employer groups, and the right. payers have a pretty meaty hand in shaping you know, what the covered benefits are and what goes in the formulary and how. So that partnership seems like it's pretty important for that aspect. That's right. So with Civica Script, how do you then apply the criteria that's different for your hospital uh, side of the business with Civica? What kind of a criteria are you applying about which drugs you go into next with Civica Script? What leads you down the path to pursue the next portfolio of therapeutics within Civica Script? Yeah, the problem on the Civica script side is a bit different than the Civica uh, hospital business. The hospital business is focused on drug shortages primarily, low-cost generic medications that are short. With Civica script, we're working with the payers who are partners, and we're looking at uh, drugs that are just priced way higher than they should be. Mm -hmm. Generic medications and the, the way the law is written is made to incent generic medication to get lower cost. But there's still, over the last few years, a lot of generic medications that are priced uh, pretty high. 
much higher than we know the manufacturing cost should be. So we will focus on those. Because the supply chain from manufacturer to wholesaler or PBM to retail pharmacy to patient adds costs yeah. along that way. And so it's all the stuff in the that. middle between the manufacturer and the patient right. and the opaqueness of the system and the pricing. We will be very transparent and we will charge one price for all. So what's the long-term game here? Where do you take things next? What do you hope for the next three to five years? We hope to continue to improve our service to the hospital systems, to add more hospital systems to the mix, more medications. Uh, We'll continue to add medications that are at risk for shortage. We'll uh, build Civica Script toward the launch of insulin in 2024. Then uh, who knows what's next after insulin? (laughs) We have to decide. We will look for opportunities for other medications where there's a need where there's a need that we can fix or we think we can fix. Ned, I just have one last question for you. If you had all the money and all the resources in the world to throw at a problem in healthcare, what problem would you fix? I'd have to think about that and frame that within what I think we could do as a pharmaceutical company, a not-for-profit pharmaceutical company. And um, I would do something to the next step similar to what we're doing in insulin. I would look at a biosimilar that is beyond its intellectual property exclusivity period, where it's very expensive to do the development, and where other companies might not do it because it may not be big enough. However, it's a critical life-saving medication, like insulin is. If you don't get your insulin tomorrow, that's a big problem. If I don't take my statin tomorrow, that's not as big a problem. But I would look for something like that, the critical medication where a generic might not happen with the free market. We've talked and a lot of people talk about uh, Humira. It's just so big, it justifies the very large investment by the free market today. So there will be biosimilars for Humira, but there will be other Mm -hmm. biosimilars that are critical medications where we just might not have the money. Folks may not have the money to go after it. It may not be worth it from a risk standpoint. But like insulin, maybe we could do it. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed the conversation. It's been a pleasure and really appreciate your perspective and frankly, all the things that you're doing at Civica as a not-for-profit and changing the access and affordability of healthcare. It's critically important. So really appreciate all you're doing, especially given that you, you could easily be retired right now, as we talked about. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Oliver Wyman Health Podcast. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global consulting management firm, Oliver Wyman. For more insights on the business of transforming healthcare, visit our online publication, health.oliverwyman.com.